Record high inflation and the war in Ukraine, with former VP Mike Pence calling for further action from the White House. We're sitting down with the former VP's brother, Congressman Greg Pence, plus Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg back in Indiana to discuss rural infrastructure. I'll talk with White House Infrastructure Coordinator Mitch Landrew now on this week's edition of In Focus. Two big names in Indiana politics appearing here in the Hoosier State at events this past week, which is over two weeks now until the May primary. All of this as the White House continues to deal with record-breaking inflation and the ongoing crisis in Ukraine. This week, former Vice President Pence called on America to get tougher with Vladimir Putin. Washington correspondent Hannah Brandt has details on the latest military aid package headed to Ukraine. It's an $800 million injection for Ukraine's defensive forces. And this package is a step up from what we've already sent Ukraine. U.S. artillery, ammo, and helicopters are all headed to Ukraine. What's going into the calculation for what, what we're giving Ukraine is, is really uh, these constant conversations we're having with them, what they tell us they need. President Biden announced the new aid package after a call with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky in just hours after calling Russia's war a genocide for the very first time. Yes, I called it genocide because it's become clearer and clearer that Putin is just trying to wipe out the idea of even being able to be a Ukrainian. While the U.S. has sent military help since the beginning of the conflict, this new round includes heavier weapons. This kind of mark a step up in, in the kind of aid the U.S. is sending to them? Oh, sure, I think so. I mean, these are uh, additional capabilities. Some of them, as you said, that we haven't provided them in the past. Still, there are some who feel America is not doing enough to help. Putin only understands strength. And America must meet this moment with American strength. Former Vice President Mike Pence is among the Republicans pushing to send stronger weapons. That means more military aid to the brave and courageous Ukrainian military. That means more economic sanctions. But the Biden administration says they're trying to strike a fragile balance. There's not a day that we're not making these decisions where we're also not thinking about escalation management with the Russians. You, you have to. Kirby says they are working to get this new equipment to Ukraine as soon as possible, but it can take a few days to process and transfer it all. In Washington, I'm Hannah Brandt. Anna, thank you. And with Congress home on spring break this week, the economy and the latest plan to help Ukraine were among the topics we discussed this week with Congressman Greg Pence, who spoke with our Kristen Eskow. What are your thoughts on that plan? Do you think that's enough to help the people of Ukraine? I'm not sure if it's enough or not, Kristen. You know, we've this is a, probably our third bite at the apple trying to help them with military support. There has been some humanitarian support as well. I think we've just got to keep on top of it the whole time. You know, it's such a fluid, tragic situation. We'll just do what we need to do. So far, sanctions haven't seemed to deter Vladimir Putin. Is that the right approach or does the U.S. need to take a different approach? Well, I think we're doing everything we can right now. It's what we didn't do before all this started. You know, right now I'm on Energy and Commerce uh, Committee and we were talking months and months ago about uh, Nord Stream 2, the pipeline, the deal that Europe had cut with uh, Russia. We talked about all the Russian oil coming into uh, New England. Uh, that has been stopped now, but uh, 
Putin is a beneficiary of the high oil prices right now while we're suffering here in the United States. What should the Biden administration and Congress be doing to try to bring down prices or give Americans some relief? Well, let me, tell, let me kind of focus on, Kristen, what we shouldn't do. A week ago in the Energy and Commerce hearing, we had the oil company executives in for a price gouging hearing. And as I said, number one, petroleum is the lifeblood of our economy. And number two, look out, America, because first, the administration and the Democrats are going to want go after the oil companies for price gouging, then manufacturers for price gouging, then the farmers for price gouging. We haven't even seen the end of inflation yet. I also want to ask you about this White House infrastructure tour that was announced this week, touring rural communities, talking about the federal infrastructure law. You had voted against that law. What should the U.S. do instead to help support the infrastructure needs of rural communities? Well, you said the right word, Kristen. Uh, I voted against that bill because it leaves rural out. And for the viewers out there, you know, rural, rural may include Hancock County, Johnson County, you know, the definition of urban that was, was the main focus of the infrastructure bill, I, I think is wrong. I represent uh, mainly rural uh, Indiana. Uh, what we should do is, is focus on that and, and expand that uh, which we didn't do. Speaking of prices and inflation, that was a big topic that your brother, of course, former Vice President Mike Pence, discussed at the University of Virginia this past week. He also hosted here locally in the Indy area a fundraiser for Greg Garrison, the Hamilton mm -hmm. County prosecutor candidate. Do you think he should run for president in 2024? Absolutely, I'm biased. Tell me why you'd like to see him run. I think my brother has got, uh, he, he's got a servant's heart. Also, he exhibited leadership uh, in the last five years that I think I've seen a lot of other p folks can't do it. Uh, they're just being special interests are controlling them. Uh, and I'm talking mainly on the on the Democratic side. But my brother, you know, he's he's got the guts. He's got the leadership to actually uh, be the next president. Do you think it's likely he will see him run? I don't know. Timing's a manageable variable. Well, hey, thank you, Congressman, for your time today. I really appreciate right. it. It's great talking to you. Thank you, Kristen. All right, so as you heard there, former Vice President Mike Pence was at a campaign fundraiser here in Indiana this week. We also saw former South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg back in Indiana this week in the southern part of the state. The Transportation Secretary was in Tell City touting the impact of that infrastructure bill we just discussed as Democrats hope to focus on infrastructure ahead of the midterm elections later this year. Mike Pickett from our Evansville affiliate was there for the Secretary's visit. We know that communities rise or fall based on the quality of their infrastructure. A major part of Tell City's infrastructure, the Riverport, is working on a new 40-foot pier using a $1.6 million federal grant awarded last year. Our teamwork and relationship with NDOT has allowed us to progress our community in a direction of continued strength and sustainability. Federal officials say the port moves an average of 81,000 tons of material, including 72,000 tons of pig iron that's used at Wapaka in Perry County per year. Secretary Buttigieg says it can help load and unload more of those materials no matter how high the river gets. That means if the water's too high or if the water's too low, uh, they, there's a risk of, of tipping, it gets derated, they can't carry as much load. So bottom line is this, by supplementing that floating crane with one that's land-based, it means they can process a lot more of the raw material that comes in by barge. 
we get material from the river through the port. And so the port, rail, and trucking, those are all the ways that we get material to the plant. So it's important to have that in this area. It also happens after the passage of the recent infrastructure bill. Buttigieg says improving rural infrastructure helps towns like Tell City keep economic opportunities going. This is the start of an ongoing partnership where together we're finding the best ways to use these federal resources to support the local priorities that make life better and create economic opportunity for all Americans. All right, in a statement, an RNC spokesperson said no photo op in his home state will make Hoosiers forget the role Buttigieg played in creating the supply chain crisis and skyrocketing inflation. The Indiana Democratic Party chair, a longtime friend of Buttigieg, said it's always a good day to welcome Secretary Pete back home again to Indiana. Whether it's combating inflation or investing in rural America, President Biden and Democrats are solving today's biggest problems facing Hoosier families. This week, I also spoke with the White House infrastructure coordinator, former New Orleans Mayor Mitch Landrieu. So there's money in this bill to rebuild roads and bridges and airports and ports and locks and levees and dams, high-speed internet, clean air, clean water, cleaning up all of the dirty sites that have been left behind that people know as Superfund sites. And of course, a lot of this stuff is like right there in rural America. So when we're talking about building off-system roads and bridges, we're talking about roads and bridges for folks that live in the, in, in the, in the rural communities that are moving their goods. Secretary Holland, Secretary Vilsack, Secretary... Buttigieg, Secretary Regan, all of the departments that are represented in this bill are going to be moving out across rural America to talk to them about having access to their government. You mentioned Secretary Buttigieg and his trip here to Indiana. How important is it to have the perspective of former mayors like yourself and the former secretary as part of this effort? You've seen this on the ground level, the need for infrastructure, uh, and now within your role in the White House and his role in the cabinet. Well, it's a great point that you make. You know, I'm, I'm a street kid. I'm, I'm from the ground up, local government. And whether it's a county executive or a mayor, um, you know, or a town executive, when you're on the ground and, and what we call in really close proximity to where people can smack you in the back of the head, you tend to be you tend to be more responsive and you tend to be able to bring back real life stories. So in Washington, that's, you know, 50,000 feet up. You can say, hey, Mr. President, this is really what it looks like on the ground. Of course, he knows that because he was a county executive when he first started in Delaware and he never forgot it. So he tells us, you know, take this stuff and make it simple, get it back down to the ground, make sure American citizens, know where, no matter where they live, um, actually know that this is important to them. And he just wants to make sure that, that people in rural America knows that he sees them, he knows that they're there. This bill was designed to help them. And now we're kind of what we call flooding the zone of actually getting back out there and delivering on the promises that the president made. But how complicated will this process be of allocating funding to different cities and municipalities, uh, counties around uh, the country with, with so many different needs and, and so many different uh, states and local governments that will be looking for that funding? Yeah, well, first of all, it, it's, not, it's not as hard as people think it is. It's actually the two ways to do it. One is through formula funds, which are basically sent directly to the governor. So the governor of Indiana is going to get a bucket load of money and the legislature, and they're gonna to have to figure out how to spend it. So people are gonna to have to access the legislature just like they would normally do, except their pots are full now, as opposed to being empty. And so, you know, you wanna go talk to your governor and your legislators. The other half of it is gonna be competitive grants where municipalities, towns, and counties can apply. We're gonna have better roads, better bridges, better air, better water, access to high-speed internet. And as the president says, we will be able to win the 21st century. And that's what this is about.
All right, coming up next on this week's edition of In Focus, we'll talk with our panel about this record high inflation report, including the economic impact and the political impact. Plus more details on the Transportation Secretary's visit and the fundraiser headlined by the former VP this week. That's coming up next. This weekend, as people celebrate Easter, Passover, and spring break, the price of groceries, gasoline, just about every product we buy is on the rise with record high inflation, a 40-year high, up more than 8% in March. Let's talk about it now with our panel, former communications director for the Indiana Democrats, Jennifer Wagner-Chartier, former GOP lawmaker Mike Murphy, Importantville's Adam Wren, and UIndy political science professor Dr. Laura Wilson. All right, Jennifer, I'll start with you. Those record high inflation numbers out this week. The White House certainly blaming uh, Vladimir Putin. Republicans saying President Biden owns some of that blame. How concerning are those numbers to you, that inflation report, particularly in a midterm election year? I would be lying if I said it wasn't very concerning, obviously, both from the economic standpoint and it's hitting people where it hurts uh, in their pocketbooks, but from a political standpoint, it doesn't really matter who's actually to blame. People will blame the party in power, and right now, that's Democrats. So we've got to do something over the next 60 to 90 days to turn that number around to give people the relief they need, uh, or it's going, to be a, it's going to be a problem. Speaking of relief and speaking of Ukraine, in the meantime, Mike, $800 million of additional aid headed to Ukraine this week. Former Vice President Mike Pence, we saw him earlier in a speech calling for a tougher stance on Russia. Well, I think they've been pretty tough, and I actually, maybe a little bit of an outlier, I think the Biden administration has done a fairly good job of listening to Zelensky and getting him what he needs. Um, I think we need to continue to um, enact more sanctions. We're, we're working on, we're doing the oil and, and the petroleum, but there's a lot of oligarchs who still have not been sanctioned yet, particularly the guy who owns the, uh, the, uh, com the uh, company in uh, Boulder, Colorado. Mm -hmm. um, he's not been sanctioned. He needs to be sanctioned, but they're afraid it's going to cost American jobs. So there's still room to go. I Ru agree with Mike Pence. Russia sanctioning, though, a lot of members of Congress this week, including some of our Indiana lawmakers as well. Hey, meantime, uh, as we mentioned this week, the former VP holding a fundraiser in Carmel this week for a longtime friend running for prosecutor, transportation secretary Pete Buttigieg was back in Indiana this week as well for an infrastructure event in Tell City. Adam, you were there. What do you make of these two visits this week from, from these two Hoosiers with very big national profiles? Not impossible to imagine a future presidential election where both of these users are are facing off uh, against each other. Um, you know, Mike Pence has been a key and critical messenger for the Republican Party and has laid out sort of a vision for Republicans to fight the culture wars and has been so, somewhat more strategic than former President Donald Trump uh, about approaching endorsements in the 2022 cycle. You know, Pete Buttigieg is going to be a key figure who sells the Biden administration's accomplishments down the home stretch later this uh, later this election year. So uh, they're two really important people to watch. All right, let's turn to Laura next. You know, whether it's 2024 or 2028, as you mentioned, as Adam mentioned there, we could certainly see Pence and Buttigieg launching a campaign for president. And they're both likely to remain pretty visible this year too, out on the trail ahead of the midterms. Well, and that's important for them because they want to keep building that name recognition, building on what they have is really strong, sterling reputations among their respective party bases. I think it's also valuable to remember that these are two Hoosiers who served the state at different capacities and then have served in Washington. And what people really like to see is people that 
serve their state uh, through Washington. So even though there, there's the drain, the swamp message, or you know concerns about what goes on in D.C., this is the opportunity for both Pence and Buttigieg to say, look how I'm representing Indiana while I'm out of our state and what I would do for our state and maybe even our country if elected in a certain position in the future. Yeah, Mike, the former VP at that uh, local fundraiser this past week, how big of a figure uh, is he going to be uh, on the national stage, particularly with the, the former president and former vice president really at odds here since the events of January 6th? Well, I think it's important. Um, I think he will play a big role, and I think you can't, um, you can't write Mike Pence off. If you look at the University of Virginia speech, there was a 500-student waiting list to get in to see him, and he was generally well-received and probably was one of the most liberal um, university campuses in America. Jennifer, what about Secretary Buttigieg? Um, are we likely to see him as well on that national stage and possibly running for president again in, in the coming years? I thought he was a great candidate the first time around. I'd love to see him run again. Um, I think, you know, even as I said earlier, that inflation is going to take probably a toll in this cycle. Um, longer term, the investment we're seeing into the state, um, the fact that he is the face of that investment in states across the nation, uh, and, and people are going to start seeing the effects from that investment, it, it can't be bad for him. I'm sure he'll continue to be a big voice uh, this year at events like that and uh, at midterm election campaign rallies as well. Hey, Adam, uh, speaking uh, of all of this here and uh, the midterms, fundraising figures out now, uh, Senator Todd Young with really a sizable advantage this week over his Democratic opponent, Tom McDermott. Neither one has a primary opponent next month. Uh, what else are you keeping your eye on in terms of either that Senate race or other races where we do have a contested primary? Yeah, I think in that particular Senate race, Thomas McDermott really has his work cut out for him. Uh, he's really going to have to live off the land and try to drive earned media. Uh, you know, we know that he spent a significant percentage amount, 10 percent uh, this this quarter, paying back loans from his old congressional campaign back in 2020. So you have to wonder if donors are somewhat upset about that. Uh, you know, one of the fascinating reports that I saw this week was Cindy Carrasco, the, the Republican uh, who's running against my, uh, Ryan Mears for a Marion County prosecutor, she raised $220,000 in just a few months' time, and she could really uh, put up quite a fight as the city struggles with its crime problem. We have some interesting local primaries, certainly. Uh, there are some crowded congressional primaries, too, but big picture, Laura, here, when you're talking about this midterm election year, we've said it many times, it's not uncommon for the party newly in power to face a, a difficult midterm. And and as we've been talking about here today, it certainly looks like it could be shaping up that way again this year. The Democrats have a lot to lose at the federal level. And as Jennifer had mentioned earlier with inflation, it doesn't matter if the president is responsible. That is going to be the person that people assume should be responsible for certain things. I, I think when you look at the overall spread, we have these competitive races because people are paying attention with inflation and issues in terms of Ukraine. I, I think this will be pretty exciting in terms of a congressional midterm year. All right, we'll see what happens as things uh, shake out here in the months ahead. Coming up next here on In Focus, one year since the deadly mass shooting at the FedEx facility in Indianapolis. We're going to hear from local leaders about the impact one year later. Up next. The Biden administration will extend the nationwide mask requirement for public transit. That mandate will now run through May the 3rd. The order was set to expire April 18th, but the CDC recommended extending it as officials monitor a rise in COVID cases in parts of the country, particularly the Northeast. 
The Biden administration had hoped to roll out a more flexible masking strategy that would have replaced that nationwide requirement. Meantime, the state of Indiana and Attorney General Todd Rokita joining a 21 state lawsuit against this mandate. Rokita claims that it's an overreach of the CDC's authority. Well, Friday marked one year since these eight people were killed at the FedEx ground facility in Indianapolis. We spoke with Congressman Andre Carson about that tragedy this past week. And saying that we are one community, we're one nation, and we have to do a better job in terms of fighting back against gun violence and dealing with mental health in a very honest and open way. We also spoke this week with State Senator Aaron Freeman about the state's red flag gun laws, which many have pointed to after the FedEx shooting and asked why more wasn't done to keep, to keep guns away from the suspected shooter in this case. I think the law is pretty fair. It's pretty balanced um, and, and works when properly applied and when pursued. A lot of discussion, of course, about whether that law could have been more fully utilized at the local level in this particular case. Meantime, Senator Todd Young met with students in the Jewish community at IU Bloomington this week. The rabbi there says there have been more anti-Semitic incidents this year than she's seen in more than 30 years at the university. We can't be desensitized uh, to these sorts of acts and statements that are hateful. Jewish Hoosier community. Senator Young signed a banner that says, I stand against anti-Semitism. Stop the hate. And stick around. We're back to wrap things up with this week's Winners and Losers. Straight ahead. Time for this week's Winners and Losers. Mike, I'll start with you. Well, I have to say my winner is Mike Tent Pence. Uh, an outstanding week in the so-called non-campaign University of Virginia speech, just the best he could have done. The loser has to be Magistrate Patrick Murphy, who sentenced an armed robber to four years home detention. Magistrate Murphy, shame on you. Mm, no relation, I assume. Was, Jennifer. No. Yeah, I was going to say, um, <laughs> my winner is Ukraine, the people of Ukraine, the military. They sunk a Russian battleship, and they are still 100% yeah. in this after 50-plus days. Wow. Uh, Adam? Uh, Indiana Democrats, a big winner this week. They had Pete Buttigieg back home. Joe Donnelly took his ambassadorship role at the Vatican. And Mike Schmuel was profiled by the Washington Post. Laura. My winner is the state of Indiana and our leadership experiencing record low unemployment at 2.2%. Of course, the loser is anyone who buys anything right now because inflation yeah. is so high. Americans are going to remember this at the polls because a lot of them are pocketbook voters. Okay. We need to address this. All right. Thanks to our panel and thank you for joining us. We'll see you again next week.